Today's podcast is brought to you by my book, The Sex Spiral, Forgiven and Free from Pornography. The Sex Spiral will teach you God's design for sexuality, the triggers that lead to porn addiction, and how to exit the sex spiral with a purity plan for your life. You can order online at Amazon.com or any other retailer. Hey, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's show. The Dustin Daniels Show. Unashamedly proclaiming God's purity through His Son, Jesus Christ. Devoted to saving marriages. Dedicated to protecting children. Addressing sex with biblical truth and without shock value. You're listening to the intersection of life and lust. Call toll-free at 1-855-5-DUSTIN. And now, here's your host, Purity Pastor Dustin Daniels. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Amplified Bible reads, For our sake, God the Father, He made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through Jesus we might become viewed as being in and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be, approved and acceptable and in right relationship with Him by His goodness. Have you ever pondered what really happened on that wooden, blood-stained Roman cross? Have you ever meditated on what truly transpired that day? A transaction between God the Father and God the Son that seems too good to be true. Ah, but it's not. It is true that Almighty God would step down off his throne in heaven to become flesh, to become his own creation, to show us how to live, how to die, while at the same time being the substitution for our sins. That Jesus alone bore the rightful and and holy wrath of the Father so that we could be in a right and pure relationship with him once again. So here's the big question. How can we possibly wrap our minds (laughs) and our hearts around this? How can we ever understand the love of Almighty God? How can we ever learn to actually live, truly live in the Father's affection? Well, my guest today is certainly no stranger to these questions. Wayne Jacobson is the founder of Lifestream Ministries. You can visit Wayne's website at lifestream.org. He's also the host of the podcast, The God Journey. He's a pastor. He's the author of many books. And if that's not enough, he's the founder of a publishing company as well. Uh, Wayne is married to Sarah. He has two children along with grandchildren, and he is deeply committed to personal relationships rather than programs within the context of organized religion. And today we're going to continue our conversation on his book titled, He Loves Me, Learning to Live 
in the Father's affection. Wayne, welcome back to the Dustin Daniels Show. Thank you. It's great to be with you again. Hey, we uh, we talked about your podcast a little bit last week, and I just wanted I, I wanted to hear your take on that. I, I mentioned that I've been listening to your podcast for years, and it I, I feel like I know you, and it's such a blessing to have you on the show. How did you get started with that podcast? And, and give us some background into the insight of where God has taken you along that journey yourself. Yeah, we were actually a, a friend of mine, Brad Cummings and I, were approached about doing a, a radio show, Drive Time, here in Los Angeles. And uh, in the exploring that with the producers of the show, I was on a Christian station, and the things they were wanting us to do, they were wanting us to be celebrities in the whole religious community and visit youth groups and and, all, and talk about things that we, we realized we didn't have a heart to do or to talk about. We didn't want to become celebrities. We really wanted to help people wrestle with the journey. And for some of us, that, that journey involves moving beyond the religious institutions that are sometimes more conformity-based than affection-based. So we, we decided that's not what we want to do. And they, they pretty much, and we kind of explained to them what we wanted to do. They didn't want us to do it either on their show, on their radio time. So we ended up uh, just thinking about why couldn't we do this as MP3 files and put it on the net. And this is before podcasting even existed. <laughs> and so we, we were kind of uh. on the cutting edge of the beginning of saying, you know, I can, I can, we can record stuff. We can put it on MP3. I can put it on a website. We can have people listen to it. And while we were working that process through, we then I started reading articles about this new thing called podcasting, and we said, that's what we're talking about. So we just we threw it into that, and we started oh, back in 2005 or something. And uh, Brad and I did it for seven years together, and then the last year or so I've been doing it on my own. He's gone another direction, but uh, just with the busyness of his life, not another direction spiritually. But So it just became a, a great tool to engage people. We wanted them to be in a conversation of, uh, that, that was affection-based so that it would spur that kind of conversation for them with God and with other people. And that's exactly what it is. And that's, that's, I guess, why I feel like I know you, Wayne, listening over the last couple of years of you guys talking about just life. And you really get the sense, this is not a sermon. This isn't overly prepared in any way. This truly, you invite us into your life, and uh, it's really cool. And I just wanted to thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. I've had that everywhere I travel. I sit down with people, and there's nothing I can say about me that they don't already know. So it's always, <laughs> tell me about you, because you know my story enough. So let's hear what's going on with you. So Lifestream.org is, is where you want to go to... Um, subscribe to Wayne's podcast. Once again, it's called The God Journey. You can also do that on iTunes. So Wayne, we are continuing our conversation from last week. We're talking about your book, He Loves Me, Learning to Live in the Father's Affection. And this week, we want to really kind of center on what really happened on the cross. And I, I want to start off our conversation with your definition of sin, which is it's just wonderful. You say that sin is grabbing for ourselves what God has not given to us. Can you say more? Yeah, it's not original to me, actually. My co-writer on the book, So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore, that's the definition that he's used, an old Lutheran pastor. And uh, he was using that definition, and it, it, it really goes back to the fall in a great way, doesn't it? Adam and Eve are taking for themselves what God has not given them. But I think it just continues in our life. It Really, at the heart of it says, we know best for me. I want what makes me happy. I want what makes me feel good in the moment. And most of those things that make us feel good in the moment turned out to be very destructive in the next moment. But sin doesn't have enough foresight to realize where this is going to lead me. 
So it just in the whole idea of grabbing for myself what God has not given me, what I like about that definition of sin is it takes it back to a trust issue. If I trusted God, I wouldn't grab for myself what he hasn't given me. So it gives me hope that sin is repairable, not when Wayne can learn to stop sinning, but when my trust in him grows enough that I no longer want to grab what he hasn't given me because I realize how destructive those things are in my experience. You know, my wife said something to me just the other day. I, I said, you know, I, babe, you know, God knows what's best for us. And she looks at me and she goes, no, Dustin, God knows what's best. And it just goes to prove to me, Wayne, how selfish I am. It's all about me, myself, and I. And she is so right. He knows what's best, period. And it just it just amazes me of of this unholy trinity of me, myself, and I, and how consumed that um, I personally still am with all of this. You know, sin is not the the most fun subject to talk about, but I I think that's a starting place for most of us to really understand the infinite depth and width of how holy and pure Almighty God is and who we are as his his creatures and at the root of all sin is this same excuse you talk about in your book is i really i know what's best and i can i can get what i want on my own and and no one's going to get hurt and and who really needs god is is that universal for everyone I think it, I think it's part of the fall, sure. And I, and I think what it, it's not something we reason through. Like I I think I know what's best. I'm going to go get it. It's just this visceral what I want in the moment. I'm going to do. I, I do it. I think we're more victims of that in times of depression or despair when we're hurting. And it's just more of a I'm going to do whatever it takes to make me feel better. Whether it's pornography, drugs, shopping, eating. You know, there's just a million ways you, people deal with loneliness or despair or pain and it's just it's kind of a short hit of some kind of excitement but it fades away so quickly again and uh so i i don't think it's all that reasoned out but at the heart of it is i'm just going to do what i want to do and i i end up missing who god is who god is to me who he's created me to be how he wants me to live in the world which is not as i think religion has portrayed it God's got all these stupid rules you've got to follow if you want to go to heaven instead of hell. I think it's getting back to God knows who he made you to be. And when you are uniquely you, when you are free to be the person God made you to be on the planet, you'll find fulfillment, life, and joy at a level you can't. And the world of sin and the old creation and all that stuff, uh, Romans describes it, Paul describes it well in Romans, it's futility. The, The creation was subjected to frustration. And I think following our own way leads to the pain of frustration and futility, and things aren't working out the way I hoped. And even though I can medicate myself for a moment, it doesn't transform me over time. It doesn't lead me to life. You write, God sees something redemptive in letting us fail. Once again, last week we talked about this idea of time and and failure. There is a redemption process in that isn't there, to where there has to be enough pain for us to realize kind of where we are? Can you say more? Unfortunately, it happens that way mostly. You know, when we finally, at the end of ourselves, and we've done all the things to do to ruin ourselves, and we're now in the pig pen looking at pig food, wishing we could eat it, that we finally turn to God. I don't think it takes that. I know people who turn to God just out of good times and great joy, and just feel like something's empty. I want something more. And 
and they find God. So I, I hope it's not necessary for us all, but it is hopeful when you're in that spot to realize God's not threatened that you've come to the end of this road and now are ready to open to him, and he's not of the mind to say, well, you've made your own bed, sleep in it, I'm not going to do anything. God's able to jump right in whenever we turn to him and say, I, I want you, and he will come and redeem us. He will come and restore us. Let's talk about what really happened on on the cross, because this this is a topic, it, it just blows my mind, Wayne, that we have a loving Father who would do something so radical for us. And you write in your book that Jesus, he didn't just deal with our sins, but he dealt with the very nature of sin on the cross. Can you say more? Yeah, I, I grew up, I think, with a very false view of the cross. I grew up with the idea that God uh, was holy and perfect, and we had sinned and defiled his creation, and he was angry, and he needed to punish something, someone, and he was going to kill us all, the soul that sin shall die. So God's going to wipe us all out, and then he comes up with this great idea, I'll torment my son on a cross instead. I'm going to take out all my anger for your sin on him and then having done that, I can forgive you now because my wrath or justice has been satisfied. That's the story I heard. Mm-hmm. That's a deeply conflicting story to me. On the one hand, if it gets my get-out-of-hell-free card, I'm in, even if it's a dumb story. But it sets up more the Stockholm Syndrome. God keeps us captive because of our fear of him, rather than God engages us in a relationship. And it would be as if, you know, you and I became good friends at some point, but you do something that offends me, and so instead of... Uh, you know, trying to fix that problem with you. I, I, I'm so angry I want to kill you. I decide to come home and kill my 33-year-old son instead. And do you want to be friends with that? I mean, the other side of that, do you want to be friends with somebody who's got to slaughter his 33-year-old son to have a friendship with you? And if we view the cross that way, I think that's what's problematic. A number of, about 20 years ago, I heard a different version of the cross, that Jesus didn't die to satisfy what was broken in the Father, Jesus died to satisfy what was broken in us. And that, that to me, is all that Scripture says. There's no place in Scripture that says Jesus died for God. He died for me. He died for you. He died for broken humanity. So the death wasn't because God was angry and needed to get his terror worked out somewhere. It's that Jesus needs to take sin into himself, that, which you read early going, going into this show. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that he actually becomes sin itself, so that the love of God, what we call the wrath of God, and we'd have to define that in a way that makes some sense to people, because we've, we've, again, taken that to be God's just this overwhelming anger he can't control. God's wrath is the weight of his being brought against that which destroys the object of his affection. So God's wrath isn't, I hate you, I want to kill you. God's wrath is, I love you, and I want to pull you out of this sin that's destroying you. And so he allows Jesus to become sin itself so that love can engage sin inside of him until sin can be destroyed in him. So it's actually not God killing his son so he could like us all, but God in Christ reconciling the world by taking sin and love till sin consumes love in the likeness of sin. Excuse me, love consumes sin in the likeness of sinful flesh. And when that happens, Now all the freedom in the world becomes ours. Today on the show, Wayne Jacobson, author of He Loves Me, Learning to Live in the Father's Affection. You can visit Wayne at lifestream.org. 
And uh, we are talking about what really happened on the cross. And, and Wayne, you did such a great job in your book talking specifically about how and why and why when we do, we try and we work and we, <laughs> we're just enamored with trying to always please this, this God that we have maybe some of us very little relationship with. You are all about the relationship side of things instead of working so hard to make him smile. Yeah, which was the purpose. Jesus even said it in, in John 17. This is salvation, that they come to know you and the one whom you've sent. Salvation was not a get-out-of-hell-free card. Religion is postulated. The whole issue with God is sin and going to hell, and he wants to save us from hell. Instead of, there's a Father who loves us, who's inviting us into a relationship. And what the cross did was to prove forever that Wayne could never be good enough on his best day. This is a gift Wayne could never earn. And once we know the cross from that standpoint, now we're ready to engage that relationship with this endearing Father. He's not the bully on the block who had to kill something to make up for our sin. This is a loving Father willing to put it all on the line so that we could be known, and he could know us, and we could know him. And that's the essence of salvation. I think, I think religion's got it wrong. We've made it about heaven and hell when it's not. It's about knowing him or not knowing him. Wayne, talk about what, what God, what he focuses in on when it comes to sin. You write that God's perspective doesn't focus on our sins as much as it focuses on the power of sin itself. Why is that so critical for us to, to wrap our brains around that? show that we did, we're talking about sin and and how religion brings this focus for ourselves on sin. What Dallas Willard in The Divine Conspiracy called religion, called Christianity, a sin management system. And I think we who have been enculturated in that, certainly for the first 40 years of my life, it was all about sin, all aware of sin and how I'm failing and I'm trying to do better. and, And yet Paul says in Romans 8 that the mind set on the flesh is death. And that's not just the mind that's set on indulging the flesh, I think what Paul's rightly writing about in Romans 8 is the mindset of abstaining from the flesh. It's still a mindset on the flesh. It cannot please God. It will not. What, what God's focus with sin is, sin is just where you're lost in the darkness. Sin is where you're grabbing for yourselves what I've not given you. If I can win you into trust, I've won you out of sin. If I've won you into I'm loved, and I can trust this Father. And as I walk inside that growing love and trust, that's the rest that Hebrews 3 and 4 is talking about, ceasing from our own labors and embracing His. It's, it, we, we don't enter there because of unbelief. Unbelief is what keeps us out, keeps us performing, keeps us focused on our failures. His affection is what draws us inside a growing relationship where I'm not focused on my sin, although I struggle and fail and when I, when I say something horrible to Sarah that I wish I hadn't said, I, I, I'd sit down with God, and God, what is it about me that allows me to go there with someone I love so much, and would you fix it? You know, I'm, I want God to be engaged fixing, healing, curing my sin. But at the same time, I'm not focused on it every day. I'm much more focused on Him, what He's doing, what He's saying, what He's inviting me into today. And it just provides a different relationship where God is not as sin-focused as we're, we've been taught that he is. So, Wayne, I can hear some of my, my guys and, and um, the families that I have the opportunity to, to talk with. And, mm-hmm. and I, I hear them in the back of my head. They're going, okay, I, I hear what you guys are saying. I, I get it. I, I get it. 
Kind of. I, I get it. I get what you're saying. However, mm, you, you just don't know. You guys don't you just don't get that. I've done this. I've I've had an affair or I've done something or something's been done to me. So I can't I can't even begin to tell you about it because it hurts so much. And and I look at them, Wayne, and I go, look, that right there, what you're talking about, that is why Christ bore the cross. Can you say more on that? That that one place that to where men, especially if they're sinning sexually or if they're committing adultery or having an emotional affair or they're looking at porn or doing whatever they're doing, that one thing that they think that cannot be forgiven, how, how what would you say to them if you were having a cup of coffee with them? Yeah, there's so many lies in that, isn't there? there yeah. Is, one, I'm alone in it. No one's ever done what I've done, which isn't true. Uh, you know, every time I heard that in my pastor's office back in the day, I would go, stop right there. Whatever you're about to tell me, I know there's hundreds of people in in this own group that struggle with that. So don't, don't, it's the feeling that we're all alone, that we've done the worst that can be done. Um, Paul in, in 1 Timothy says flat out, he was the worst, the chiefest of sinners. His killing Jesus' people in God's name uh, was as bad as it gets. And he said God saved him so that he could show his unlimited patience. This is not about you know, quid pro quo, have I done something so bad that I can't be redeemed from? This is, you are still loved at your most broken. And that's where I want to help people go. I Once they realize, once there's a revelation in their heart that no matter what, no matter even if they have done this, that, or the other, that God still loves them, is inviting them into the same relationship he's invited me into, then that all that argument's done. So it really just takes a bit of revelation that I'm not alone, that I'm loved here, and that the cross has fully satisfied anything that would make me feel disqualified from God at that point. And so I I want to help people engage that. And a lot of that's just by the way I treat them. A lot of that begins, I mean, we, we begin to recognize God's love if we have some older brothers and sisters around us who can love us and express affection for us by the way they treat us, not just language, just by the way they come alongside, that's a big help for people to go, wow, if Wayne can love me like that, maybe there is a greater love that God has for me as well. So I think those things can be helpful. It's about loving you out of your sin, correct? I yeah, mean, absolutely. for other people to do that, if you, if you are in a place to where you feel that and you haven't engaged I really, truly pray that that you're going to jump on Wayne's website, livestream.org, and order this book. Actually, you can order it right from the the radio page as well. But when you order this book, you realize, and you meditate on, and you just get, wow, I I really don't have to do anything to be forgiven. God's already done that. There is a process or a healing journey with this uh, especially if you're in sexual sin. But the the reality is that God himself will love you out of your sin. But just like Wayne said, you got to have a community, right, Wayne? You got to have people around you. You can't do this solo. Well, it, it certainly helps. I mean, you can do it solo. I mean, God's big enough to, wherever we're starting. If, we, if we've got a community around us, great. If you don't, he start with you. It's helpful to have people who can love you the way they can express God's love and that kind of behavior. But I don't want to limit people to, I don't have that community, what am I going to do? You know what, just start with him. Just start asking him 
as you grow in that relationship with him, I, he, he will draw you into community because community is the way God lives. God, Father, Son, and Spirit. He's lived in community forever. And drawing us into him draws us into the reality of that community with other brothers and sisters as well. Wayne Jacobson, author of He Loves Me, Learning to Live in the Father's Affection. Wayne, thank you so much. You can visit him at Lifestream.org. Once again, you can uh, visit our website at DustinDanielsRadio.com to re-listen to this show because there was a lot of content here uh, to once digest how much God loves you and wants to love you out of your sin. I love you. We'll see you next week. God bless you. The Dustin Daniels Radio Show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. This information is given with the understanding that neither the host nor the station is engaged in rendering counseling advice for your personal situation. If you need further help, we encourage you to seek the services of a Christ-based counseling professional. For more information on the radio show, visit DustinDanielsRadio.com.